And now, for some intro music. Welcome to episode number 23 of the Bits and Pieces podcast. I am Nevada Drew, and I am joined by George. Say hello. Hello. I feel like we've finally reached our point of podcasting long enough that one of us has a mic malfunction, and we've got to see the awful podcast stereotype of apologising for my bad audio quality this week. Yes. So apologies. And, <laughs> and on less bad audio quality, we have Gav. Say hello. Hello. Super. I wouldn't apologize. I would just um, blame whoever edits the episode, even if it was me. Well, I guess that's just kind I'd of the, like, the good cop, bad cop vibe we have with our listeners there. Exactly. Just blame, <laughs> just blame the editor. Just be like, I'm going to sound like shit in this episode, but I want to declare in advance that it's because of the scoundrel editing it, making me look bad. <laughs> well, there was some audio a couple of podcasts ago that I recorded that sounded like absolute shit. <laughs> I mean, look, you pulled it back, though. You were able to fix it. I mean, yeah. let's, let's not dwell on it. Let's not dwell on it, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, how are we doing, guys? I've been to Aircon for three days, so I'm a bit uh, a bit jigged. Uh, and I'm using that as an exciting excuse to force us all into a, a board game episode where we're focusing on board games. So if you like yes. pixels, you can check out now or listen, because board games are good. And you yes. might learn to love. You can just use me as a kind of a point of reference, as I I don't understand what a board game is, yeah, and Gav. so I'm here for comic relief. Gav is indeed our and... control piece. Nevi's been to Aircon board game convention. I've okay. been playing yes. some light starter games, and Gav may have once actually played a board game, but we'll get to all might of this in good time at some point in time. So, to to begin on an interrogative point, and because. What is aircon apart from the thing that controls the temperature in a room <laughs> or a it vehicle? It is that. It is also it's a convention held in Yorkshire. I think it was in Bradford previously, and then other places before that. This year, it was in Harrogate. Um, it's a board games convention with all the things you'd expect from that. Um, yeah. Why is it called aircon? <laughs> I think it's because it's by the River Air, because we have the River Air. Uh, and, uh, is that a, a Yorkshire River? I believe so. I don't nice, know where it originates nice. uh, or, or where it ends. I know that it, it runs through Yorkshire at some point. <laughs> all right, all right. Okay, yeah. that's my curiosity satisfied. Continue. Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing that's the reason. Yeah, I could be wrong on that. It could be that they were really hot one day and they had the air conditioning on while they were naming it. And they thought that that was funny, but I, I think that sounds about right. It's a it's a okay. pun, as the kids would call it. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. No, it was really good. Um, it was lots of it was loads of just lots of just open gaming with like a small sort of condensed number of stalls with things being sold and bringing by, and then people demoing things that are either just come out or coming out soon. There's some play testing. It was really nice. It was really nice. Three days, uh, quite chilled. Compared to, I think the UK Games Expo is the only other board games convention I'd been to before. Compared to that, it was so much more relaxed, whereas 
especially on the Saturday of the UK Games Expo, it was like trying to like walk through treacle in order to get down any given pathway. It was there were so many people there that it, it was uh, it was kind of overwhelming at times. Whereas Aircom was a bit more relaxed, uh, which was good. It was good. So what, Fair enough. What were, what were the highlight games that you saw? Um, I don't think I really have. I don't think I have any particular highlight games, as it were. I think it was more just sort of see checking out some things that I thought looked interesting because there was a lot of like smaller sort of publishers there with like things that are coming to Kickstarter in about sort of six months time. Pretty much my favorite things that I did. I went to two seminars: one on data mining board game geek, which I thought was fascinating. And another one run by John Hodgson, John Hodgings. I will double check the name, but I'll put it all in the the, the podcast description. Um, who basically talked about how you get a game from being a sketch to being a on a on a shelf. So about like the production side of things and how things get published, which was also really interesting. That's cool. uh, they were probably my two highlights of things that I did when I was there. Was just sort of going to those, and then chatting to those guys afterwards. Uh, were really fun. Uh, in terms of playing games, I played a couple of like things that are sort of in maybe the prototyping stage still, or just sort of in playtesting, and that are, have aspirated to go onto Kickstarter as well as some things that are coming on in the next couple of months, uh, which I will consult my very rushed together list of things that I'd checked out. Were there any interesting stats from the? Like data mining board game geeks. I think I was I, I there's a really interesting ask like might actually be a board game geek post, but it's basically a list <laughs> of top ten games by like board game geek ranking, organized yeah. into year published. So I think it starts in maybe nineteen eighty. Might go further back than that, but then it has each right. year and the top ten games published in that year. Yeah. Like by board game geek ranking. Ah, uh, cool. No, it didn't have any of that, but that does sound interesting. It had it had a it had a load of stuff. I'll 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 post a link to the blog post that they uh, they put all this information on the blog post. I'll post that so that everyone can read all of the details uh, far better than I can describe. So the, the they had some interesting stuff about like because people always say uh, board games have grown exponentially, but this kind of had facts to back that up. It showed number of games published since nineteen hundreds to to to. 2019 and showed that exponential growth of like year on year like getting bigger and bigger in a graph form which is quite interesting it showed things like how the boggy top 100 is not reflective of the most popular games played and owned which was really interesting and they made a list that kind of combined the two on both user rating and actual popularity to give like a super list that kind of included more things like code names and patchwork and stuff, whereas current Boggy Geek Top 100 is dominated by like six-hour games, more or less, or like big long campaign games that are enormous. So that was interesting. Things about people's uh, sort of bias towards games that have more complexity. So there was a thing about how frequently games that were that had lots of mechanics were more frequently rated higher than games that had fewer mechanics yeah i guess that's, that's true well. so like the sometimes it made me think that because with video games like we we're increasingly hearing about like number of concurrent players number of people playing which isn't like isn't necessarily a relevant figure with board games because obviously you can't yeah. track it's not a figure you can track um 
obviously. Um, and so like, a lot of the ones that you hear about being incredibly popular are things like Codenames. They're, they're like family mm. games that kind of break into a very mainstream audience and kind of escape the kind of hobby sphere. Yeah, yeah. And it was really interesting to hear that like only like less than 10% of 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 registered board game users actually rate games so that rating is only really reflective of a very small portion of people who are not only registered on board game geek but, but also uh, actually care to rate things so it's not necessarily a, any real reflection on the game as a whole or the hobby as a whole which is really interesting uh, but yeah there's a lot of stuff on there a lot of stuff done by a guy who does this sort of thing for a living as well so it's all backed up by that experience of having been like a a data analyst have you have you, years, have you so. rated much on board game geek i've never done it so I've, I've done a couple like i started doing it i think when i first like made an account on board game geek but as i felt like it i felt i felt like my ratings were a good example of why like numbered systems were flawed because it felt like every new yeah. game I added to the collection, I was like, I felt, I felt a real need to go back and like update the numbers to reflect like, <laughs> oh well, no, because actually I think this game is slightly better than that, and basically yeah. you end up basically everything. It's like all the games on Walking Keep basically end up between literally between seven and eight because you can give something a seven point one. And so, like, a bad, pretty bad game is the far side of 6.5. Yeah. And a game of 8 or higher is pretty is pretty exceptional. Yeah, I think it kind of showed, like, there's the very little value in comparing Guess Who and Gloomhaven on the same 1 to 10 scale. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's basically no point in doing that. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's like that was the other. That was, I think that was the interesting thing about the article I saw that was rating games like by their board game ranking by like year published, because like, it, like through the eighties, well, I think I think it might be like through seventies, eighties, nineties, you just have the top ten games are this is kind of like sort of cash grab games that are all just that all look awful, just kind of produced for yeah, you know, as like merch for stuff. Uh, and they're all rated incredibly low, and none of them have like persisted. And then you start to get these like occasionally there are sort of standout games which are still popular today, and then kind of sort of the nineties you start to see ones like oh no I've heard of that and ones that are rated highly, and then yeah it gets to the sort of two thousands, and then it's like basically like from two thousand eight onwards, like the top ten games are all. You know, in the board game geeks top one hundred. Yeah, I mean that was interesting as well that that they games overall rating has gradually increased as well since like the nineteen eighties. Like there are more games being rated more highly so nowadays than there were twenty years ago. So. Gonna ask an ignorant question. Maybe I, maybe this was explained and I was wasn't paying attention. Um, so were you saying that? There's been ratings on board game geeks since the eighties. Has it been? Ah, uh, no. That so it'll, it'll be people like rating or it just... since the start of the website. So it basically, like, it'll be like, okay, so so like Scrabble is on board game geek, and it'll be like, oh, well, all right. So just organized by the year it was released. So yeah. So like all the ratings. Yeah, sorry, I was, be I was being an idiot. From users, from the point at which, like, 
website went up. So like yeah. a lot of really old yeah, games. But it's by the the release date of the year rather than yeah, yeah. the reviews in that year. Yeah, sorry, I I was because ah, no. yeah, yeah. you know there are some some of these websites that have been on the go for a surprisingly long time. Uh, board game has been around since two thousand. So, okay. 2000. so that, that's quite a long time. Yeah, yeah. Was it because like was it IMDb? That's been around since nineteen ninety. So yes. I didn't think it was completely oh, out wow. with the realms of possibility that uh, like board game geek might have existed since like nineteen eighty nine or something, way back yeah, no, in no, the no, mists that, of time. But, uh, <laughs> that is fair. Yes. Yeah, so, no. Yeah. So, like, yeah. All of the, all of the years that like are that have. You know, the years pre Game Geek are just user people that have then played it since Game Geek appeared. So you have lots of these like old crap sort of games that you might expect to see now in like a charity shop, Gathering Dust. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, the know, Jurassic Park tie in. <laughs> yeah. Somehow managed to be like, you know, like just questionable in their theme where it's like, you know, just like weirdly, like weird couples games where it's like, here are some questions about cleaning products for the woman, uh, and now a car round for men. Yeah. Or just like I think yeah. there's like uh, I think there's some interesting parallels because I feel like <clears throat> all these sites kind of suffer from the same the same issue. There's a few different ones, right? Like, um, what's the movie one? Uh, and there's a list of like rotten. movie ones. Uh, rotten Tomatoes. Thank you very much. Or like, well, I mean, or IMDb, but. Thanks. Oh, there's a different one. It's like a, it's specifically sorry for the big thump in the background. Specifically, like a, a list of films like that you keep track of that you've watched, and you you add your own rating on it. I think obviously you can probably do that on IMDb. But I know it's something that like film enthusiasts letterboxed. That's uh, it. I know uh, that my I've got that, a friend who's really into movies that uses it. Because I, I remember do. there was one where it was like you could. Like you'd rate every film that you saw, uh, and then yeah. slowly plot them on a graph, and it had—I want to say it was like the amount you enjoyed it, and then it was like—I I don't know. I don't use it personally, but I know it, it's like objective film rating. But it's kind of like a like a <clears throat> uh, like an enthusiast kind of website for you know film nerds, and yeah. I think it exists in kind of the same space, and. I feel like all these sites kind of run into the same problems with certain certain degrees of bias and like the the way that things are weighted and scores being extremely bizarre. Uh, in in Weebland, there's the there's my anime list, which has a similar like thing with scores, right? Where yeah. like anything below hell, anything below like a seven point five is virtually unwatchable, and anything above it is like entering into normal territory yeah like, and so you, you just get all these weird yeah board game geek has, has that like same problem where there's like a lot of 6.5 is trash yeah <laughs> gold masochism and it's written because it's so, so subject to like you get sort of the hype of like the cult of new so a lot of the time yeah games absolutely are, like immensely popular when they drop like you get these massive kickstarter games like like gloomhaven is a like, Something that Navy mentioned, which was a big Kickstarter game, this kind of really interesting card-driven kind of dungeon crawler that was immensely popular and kind of built a huge amount of hype in the kind of board game hobby hobby sphere, uh, and then just kind of shot to the top of Board Game Geek on the kind of on the back of that. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And also I feel like, it, like um slowly sink back down. Yeah, there was a really interesting thing about 
mechanic prevalence as well. Like the most popular mechanics and the no, no, sorry, the most common mechanics and the most popular mechanics were two so radically different that I was really surprised. Like the list of like most common mechanics, there was some that I didn't even really recognize on there. And roll and move was a like a massively common mechanic still, even though I don't think of that as being something that is still done really. Well, I guess it's because uh, it's, it's, yeah. it's like you know, in like a, it's a massive toy company, like all these like mass-produced games that are just kind yeah. of meant, meant for sort of the common market. Yeah, and like, yeah. They'll just so be cheaply no, made and be like, okay, what's what's a board game? Well, it's dice and movie, and isn't it? Just do that. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And then like the the highly rated the the. Yeah, the most highly rated games were the ones that had thing more things like, uh, like worker placement or card drafting or deck building and stuff. And then the opposite end of that, you had more things that were like, um, like roll and move and stuff. So that was really interesting, just sort of seeing that stark difference in in rating versus common occurrence. So that was interesting. The whole talk was was absolutely fascinating. It was it was definitely a highlight of the of my weekend going into that and then just chatting to them afterwards about like where they're going to go next with it about because the guy who did the analysis said that how he's going to try and get uh sort of monthly or more regular sort of feed from bulging geek and then analyze it in different ways and maybe try and reach out to publishers and get like retail data and then try and cross compare that in terms of sales versus then rating as well and see what effect rating on blogging it might have an effect on overall sales and stuff and yeah really really interesting stuff um, but yeah no, I'll post a link to it in this description so that everyone can read the blog posts and uh, yeah it was, it was really really good cool sounds good uh, I think it sounds really interesting it even was. as someone who's not like that interested in, well, not like a board game expert, just because it's just an intersection of kind of, you know, group psychology and how I imagine it's kind of generally applicable to a lot of stuff as well. I, I think just it like, is, yeah. Because uh, one, one of the people who was at the the talk mentioned that there was an article about how uh, Kickstarter games had sort of gone in with an initially high rating and then gradually decreased yeah. as they were fulfilled. I mean that kind um, of makes sense, right? Well, I guess it, it does. Yeah, so it's like. And then and then games that games that came with that were like miniature heavy reduced at a far more drastic <laughs> rate, which I thought was just really interesting and like so like indicative of like the like the the culture of like the shiny thing of <laughs> like yeah. the shiny thing looks great but it's rarely very satisfying, um, which I felt like just could be just sort of extrapolated across like any medium pretty much like like avatar for example was like one of the most hyped films ever and it's rubbish <laughs> and there's going to be like five more of them god yeah james cameron i don't understand why or who who pays for these things <laughs> it's baffling uh, but yeah same thing happens with, like with video games and stuff like it's far easier to market something that's pretty than something that's complex. Like it, yeah, totally. It's way easier to get across a message of "look at this" than I need to talk to you very briefly for two minutes about why this is good. <laughs> so how like how how common is uh, the use of like board game geek in board game circles? Like, would you uh, say it's common? I would say I would say pretty common. Like, I don't know. 
Like, I, I guess it would say, depend whether you're talking it's, about it's, casual or enthusiast. I would, I mean, even in hobby circles, I wouldn't say it's like a default website that everyone uses, but. No. Because I think, like, the odd thing about, like, war games is that lots of people will join groups and, like, not everyone is, like, building up their own collection. So. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah, true, true. Uh, so, like, I guess you can yeah, you can be a pretty I've ended heavy up. board game player and never buy a board game. Yeah, like so, I've ended up with like yeah. a, a collection that is increasingly growing, and it's something I really like curating. But lots of people, lots of people mm. will just be like, love board games and play loads, but it's, they, you know, they don't really own more than a handful because they'll go, you just go to you just go to a walking group and play there. And I think yeah. so. It varies with like people's collecting habits, and so some people love to like collect their curate their collection and like chart that on board game keep and like keep a running rating um yeah i know a lot of people who like log every time they play a game and then like who played what all the scores were and stuff i do that and do you really <laughs> i started, do- I've started oh, doing oh, that it. that tone of voice <laughs> sorry i <laughs> i always find that like the worst thing that happens whenever we finish a game is you finish a game and then everyone on the table goes straight onto their phone to log what's happened that's me and i'm like i've started like, i started doing it last last year and i i actually find looking at that data fascinating because it's it's, it's I, weirdly one-sided uh, because it's, it's useless for like anyone else because honestly yeah. like it's like it, but it's like my data uh, yes, and it's become quite interesting when I'm playing the same game regularly with a similar group. I suppose, yeah, because you play a lot of X-wing, don't you? So I suppose I, actually, I, I stopped tracking X-wing because it was oh, like right. it was such an overwhelming load of data that it, I felt like it messed with. So I've kept, I basically just keep it for uh, regular like sort of tabletop games rather than not like not pet stuff because it was like X-wing games played, you know, sixty-five. You know, over a couple of months, and then it's like the next game down is like you played this game four times. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> yeah. I suppose it, I just find it. I just find it. I mean, I don't dislike it, but I find it a weird thing that like we have this like great social experience, and then as soon as we finish, everyone immediately just goes on their phone, and I I, I find it really jarring. Like, yeah. I, my, what I want to do is I want to talk about what we just did in the game because something interesting just happened. Well, I, don't think, I don't think that's exclusive. Like, I, I, like, I, I find that's like, exclusive. I usually just do it as we like as people announce the scores. I just do it. All right. I think I don't know. Maybe it's, it's, I noticed it this weekend of like pretty much everyone I played a game with. I played a game with, with loads of different groups because it was just sort of like go in and join a random stranger. Okay. Uh, so at times, so I, I was like, so many people just like <laughs> immediately just go on the phone. Popular, so like in my group, I think it's me and one other person that I know. We're the only people that like track the games. Was, so. yeah, are mobile phones rare. are they kind of a are they a contentious topic in in board game circles? Because I've seen a couple Instagram posts. Because you know that the Instagram um, account is kind of my my view into the board game world, the little <laughs> narrow spyglass through which I see people posting things. And it seems yeah. like there's a fair few whinging about people being on their phones during say, during I, board game sessions. I wouldn't say it's a massive issue. I just say it's like, you know, it's a, I think there's a certain amount of like courtesy. So like there's a bugbear that a lot of yeah. board game players will have. Like if you're chatting to someone and you're like taking them through the rules, it's annoying if someone's just on their phone. Because like perhaps yeah. they are listening. It's just like, oh, well, doesn't look like you're listening um yeah but and so i guess it's just it's literally just that thing of like 
sometimes it'll look like someone's disengaged because they're not paying attention on their phone. But yeah, as long as most yeah. people are just sensible about it, both yeah. the person reacting to someone being on their phone and being on your phone, like it's never really a massive thing. Yeah, I've never really had it be an issue of like unless it's been like actively disruptive, but I yeah. can't really think of any any example. It's, sometimes people just complain about stuff like that and they kind of blow it out of proportion. <laughs> like I use my I phone guess. a lot when, when I'm playing games over the weekend because I was taking lots of pictures of things and then yeah, like that's what uh, I so to, like take pictures. And yeah, yeah. I guess it could like, be like a normal person. It from it looks like more of like a like a role playing thing to me, like you know, like a a D and D. Yeah, type I can imagine it then. It kind of maybe where, just breaks the immersion almost. I guess like, so. it's a bit like like you're playing like an immersive video game, and then during every cutscene, you you go on your phone. <laughs> it's kind of like, <laughs> what's the point of us doing this if you're not really paying attention <laughs> to what's happening? Yeah, I think I think I, I, I think that just like I think it's there. It's just that issue of like other people be like, oh, it doesn't look like they're that invested. Yeah. yeah, I guess you expect investment when it's that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And actually, that is my barometer for a video game. If, I, if I'm finding a video game quite boring, it's because I'm like, I could probably just go on my phone now for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's like it's a loading screen thing for me. It's like I realize that loading screens are starting to be a problem if I keep my phone next to me so I can check them during while they're happening. Like yeah. otherwise, it's like you know I can just breeze through them. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. So. What what else were you up to at, at Aircon? Uh, so we... yeah, so played a, a bunch of games, which was quite cool. Um, met some lots of people that I've not seen for ages, which was really nice because uh, I'm so bad at like going to visit people. I, I think it had been probably like last UK Games Expo or last time I went to a mega game, I actually met up with people <laughs> from there. So that was like that was close to a year ago now. A good friend of mine. <laughs> uh has got engaged since the last time i've seen him and oh, that, was, that was that was 10 months ago now so yeah it was uh it was, it was nice to just sort of see people and just sort of relax and just chat to people um gave out some stickers i got some stickers printed if if people are listening to this and are coming to the uk games expo there will be stickers you can grab yourself a an ampersand joystick sticker which uh there's a there's loads there's quite a few left so I'll yeah they look they look pretty good them. they look pretty good I might I mean, tweak the design a bit. Very, uh, very brandable, you know what I mean? Yeah, I thought it was quite a good round shape. And uh, I thought, okay, I'll have a bit more time to mess with the design before now and then. So, Sticker's a sticker. Slap it on your stuff. Yeah, it's on my laptop at the moment. Um, yeah, uh, I got some business cards printed because so this time I'd have to steal George's because I frequently at last UK Games Expo just stole George's business cards and crossed his name yeah, out. The, yeah, the only was because I, I, was, I was working on a stand most mornings. So never met the majority of people at UK Games Expo. <laughs> was always introducing himself and handing him a card from me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Literally. just leaned into it, just being like, "Hi, I'm George." <laughs> no, I never did that. <laughs> I like, in an evening at the at the hotel, there was just me crossing out George's name, writing my name on all these cards. <laughs> yeah, it was a good time. Now I've got my own now, so and I, I've got some pretty to have our. Social media stuff on as well, so we've, we've definitely had a couple of people follow us because of oh, it. nice because they they did it while I was there. You uh, watched so them do it. Quite... No, they they were just they were just doing it as <laughs> I was like, looking at their game and taking photos and stuff. So um, yeah, <laughs> I didn't like, just go. I'm not leaving <laughs> until you. Uh... <laughs> did you play any like sort of the other demo, like the Kickstarter demos that you played? Were there any any that felt promising? 
Yeah, actually, um, one called the the old Hellfire Club. I thought was really interesting. Um, the guy who was showing it was clearly like hugely passionate about the project. Yeah, I think uh, so. Which I, really I meant... was just a lovely thing to see. I think so. I remember. I remember seeing it, uh, like the press releases for it before last year's ED Games Expo. I meant to. I thought it sounded fun. Meant... Yeah. It's like, um, so it's similar to Once Upon a Time, which is a storytelling game where you're, in, in, in Once Upon a Time you're telling a fairy tale. In this you're like old, haggard Victorian adventurers who are trying to tell stories of their grolly days to try and win a free drink, which is a brilliant premise in itself. So you're playing cards that are like, um, uh, like I was an, inco- I was an, an incorrigible rogue, for example, because I did this, and you're sort of telling a story around the cards that you're playing, and the aim is to try and play as many high-level cards as you can, I think, and try and, and the game ends at some point. I can't remember the exact rules, um, but yeah, it, it's just it was just a funny situation to be in with it, and then lots of the flavor text of the cards, like all the cards and events and everybody in it, are all real people, and just how sort of weirdly ridiculous Victorian times were. Like there was the, like the vagrancy act of 1842 banned among many other things, falsely claiming to be an Egyptian, which is just like, (laughs) what? (laughs) Uh, So yeah, that was, it was just really fun. And the the guy who's, who was going on was, was like immensely passionate about making sure that like it had like a 50, 50 split of men and women in the, people in the cards in the game and like maintaining that and then making sure that at least 20% were people who weren't just white people to try and include the be inclusive of that and there's like LGBTQ expansion coming soon as well and he had lots of different versions of the game which was really nice to see like rather than just being like this is the base game this is the more this is the expensive version this is the more expensive version and this is the even more expensive version he had like base game expensive ridiculous expensive version that comes with like a mock glove it comes with my this is my favorite thing i think i've had from a video game ever it comes with, with actual hundred year old pennies that he's been collecting for two years <laughs> and that he's just putting well, in the game wow that he's putting in the game yeah he's been collecting for two years specifically for the game <laughs> which was just fantastic uh it comes with emergency monocles that have have three a permanent three time use throughout ownership of the game that you can open and they look like those ridiculous things that give you like a power up for three times throughout using the play in the game. Just like it comes in this weirdly lush like velvet lined box. It was like clearly he was having a lot of fun with just making this ridiculous product for Kickstarter that is lovely and like I can't believe the hundred year old coin thing. That's just like I just assumed they were like printed, but no, yeah, legitimate hundred year old coins. Oh, real nice. But then going on the other side of it, it has like a, a a budget version, which is doesn't include the box or the rules or any coins because at the end of the day, the coins basically just represent points. You could use matchsticks or actual coins or whatever you want to represent points. Uh, the rules are all available online, so it it, it just knocks like. I think he said it was like seven pound off the bait, off the price. So that's a, a great budget version, so that board games can be for everyone. Because why should they, you know, cost loads of money? And then on the other side of that, he has one that is really easy to read for people who have sight problems and stuff. So there's like it's like block bold colors, uh, none of the like uh, like complex fonts or anything, just basic fonts, so that everybody can read it and it's easy. It's exactly the same game, but it's 
accessible. And just that, just the whole thing of that just was like, this is great. More board games should be like this. This is inclusive, it's accessible, and you're clearly able to do it while also enjoying the process of doing it and being committed to wanting to sort of have it be able for everyone to enjoy your game, which That's nice. I don't think I've seen anything like that in other games. I think think there's a a big version of Codenames, and that's that's all that's the most i've seen that's something like that yeah i it was it was great it was yeah that, I, I was i was sold i was like this is yeah this is a brilliant thing to do for your game is to have all these options for people to to pick from because i've said for years like board game prices have been ramping up with more and more things added in that don't necessarily don't necessarily need to have and it, it is exclusive then it means that you're you're saying there's like a there's like an income requirement to enjoy the hobby, which seems ridiculous for something that could just that, that at the end of the day boils down to like words on paper. Yeah. For a lot of things, like it, it shouldn't be like oh you have to pay a hundred pounds or like well not hundred pounds but like like fifty pounds for a board game, like that. Well, go back to my review of Hannibal and Hamilcar, a sixty pound board game that includes. 24 rather large miniatures that serve basically no purpose. <laughs> uh, so, like, just don't include them in versions of your game. Not half your price off, probably. More people will be able to enjoy and buy it. It seems uh, decadent for the sake of being decadent. Do you feel like the the kind of, uh, I don't know, how do I describe it? The, the tat is important to a certain type of enthusiast? Or I think it maybe maybe I, I, I think know it, people sometimes that, it, that, that back a lot of Kickstarters just to get their miniatures basically. Yeah, I, I think that that is true, but I think like when we said before about like the the Borgen Geek rating dipping severely for games with miniatures, I think that that is a thing. Like miniatures are an easy prospect for people to go, oh, that looks that looks cool. Yeah, just something uh, tactile and physical. Yeah. That they're like, no, like I want to have the time to play them though. It's odd. It's like the, <laughs> the, so the two of the people that I know that back the most, like that I know back a lot of Kickstarters and buy these, you know, back these vast versions of the game that come with seventeen deluxe boxes of miniatures. Uh, yeah, yeah. Are also the same people that like I. You know, I'm always struggling for time to make it down to the Borgen group, and like, <laughs> like, oh, I've got a big backlog of games that I'm never able to play. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. There were a lot of copies of uh, the Resident Evil board game floating around in the um, Bring and Buy this year. Really. What's the What's the deal with the Resident Evil board game? You'll have to clue me in. There's a Resident Evil Two board game. Uh, no, with really, the remake, I really, I really hope it comes with no. a fedora that someone has to put on and be Mr. X. And then leaves the room, and then like three hours into the board game, they just burst in through a wall. Well, DMX, please. Like in the. <laughs> um, no, it's not the remake, but it, I think it came okay. out. It came out maybe December or January or something like that. Okay. Maybe. So you know, uh, it's tangentially related to the fact that they're making a new version of RE2. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Kickstarter will have been probably a year before that, so that'll be yeah, the film okay. then. But yeah, I remember when it was was fulfilled. I, I saw a lot of posts of people trying to sell their copies of it. Um, 
like straight away like they don't even open it they just try and sell it straight on i mean i guess there's probably do you think there's like a almost like a speculative resale market for these these kickstarter games like you just back it specifically to sell it there there, there absolutely is but at the same time some of them were like i mean the game on kickstarter won't have been like it was about the same price like you're buying just basically just buying it because you like to buy things off kickstarter at this point there's almost i think there's almost like a i think kickstarter like regret is pretty normal like they might like i mean i've not really done it that much but you know sometimes you just you get caught up in in the hype and yeah. you buy into like say an early access game and you come back like a week later like and you're just kind of like you know this is this is shit isn't it like why did i buy this <laughs> Yeah. And you're like, well, you know, at the time it felt like a good investment. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> I imagine it seems that's... almost like they're almost like a stocks thing because some people, like the people that some of the people I know that back a lot, are like, oh well, if it's bad, I'll just, you know, I just sell it on. And they always seem to have new stuff arriving, yeah. so they're constantly like, you know, they back something a year ago, and then it arrives, and they're, they're just they're backing a new thing, and they like sell that game on, and that and, like f- that funds a new game. And it's, yeah. So it's like, and. They never like so it's like oh it's bad I just just sell it on, which is fair enough. Yeah. I mean, it, but yeah, I, the, I, and the Resi one was made by the same guys who did the Dark Souls board game, which I heard was also not very good, but was very pretty. Yeah, the, the actual playing of it was not very satisfying, but the miniatures were lovely, which I think is it looked from a similar thing to the to the Resi one from what I'd seen. Although I must admit, I thought the board looked really like all the board pieces looked uh, like the actual physical boards looked pretty ugly <laughs> they were just fairly sort of bland black boards from the look of what i'd seen of them oh dear uh, i was not like just from doing some cursory research over the weekend i was seeing a lot of them floating around places and being like what's the deal with this <laughs> it was like this looks like an ugly game with pretty miniatures on top um so what did you... yeah I, I don't know i've not i didn't play it i don't know what it actually plays no. like this is a more this is a completely speculative guess so <laughs> did you did you did you buy much at this uh this i bought a grand total of two things and i sold four so that was that went quite well oh, there you go uh i bought uh i bought art of the deal <laughs> yeah i bought i bought billionaire banshee because billionaire banshee um i've been meaning to pick that up for ages and i got it for a fiver which i thought was i would i really like the sound of that um, it's got a good name. Yeah, I think we should do play Billionaire Banshee on the podcast. I that think. would be great. It sounds like a perfect podcast. Yeah, it's do you want to actually downstairs? So the, I will go grab give us it. The cliff notes. Oh, what right now? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, we generally can. It's, it's super simple. Okay. Uh, so uh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Billionaire Banshee is basically there are two cards. One that has perks, so that's like good things about a person. And then the second half, which is quirks, which might be slightly more negative things. So the person is a billionaire, but they are also a banshee. And then the decision comes down to, would you date this person? <laughs> or go on a date with this person specifically. <laughs> and then people vote as to whether they think you would or wouldn't. <laughs> and that's it. And it's, um, yeah, it, it fits perfectly into that sort of like, we've got people coming around. I want something that's just sort of fun for us to do in an evening uh it, it's a, it's perfectly it fits perfectly into that niche. let's let's do a few rounds i will i will bob downstairs and get it yeah i'll bob downstairs and get it after we've, we've finished chatting what was the thing i picked up oh i got um summoner walls as well which was also which was 15 pounds so i, I didn't i didn't break the bank by any stretch uh, but uh, summoner Walls master set for 15 pound i thought was a pretty good deal because also on my list of things to 
to check out after enjoying a few games of that last year. Um, but yeah, that, that was the only things I actually bought. I got a copy of the Hellfire Club uh, from the guy at the stall who was lovely and gave me a, a preview copy of it to have a go at and probably write something about at some point because I um, I was really sold on his, on his pitch of it. It sounded just fun. I've been following his. Uh, they've been on the on their Twitter page. They've been running like a like a Twitter version of the game. So basically, it's like a poll oh, of really? like. So it'll be the little like prompt of like, I was drinking gin at the club when I suddenly had to, and then it'll be like a poll of votes. And it'll be like, jump out of the window to prove I was manly, or like, <laughs> uh, you know, eat an entire roast chicken, or check my watch and hail a cab and then it's and then so like and then people are slowly voting on which one they want and slowly like telling the story as the thread grows and grows uh, that, yeah that sounds been, cool i haven't seen those that sounds cool we're running a load of them i think is like in the kind of build up to the game's eventual launch yeah yeah i think it's soon i'm gonna try and do a write-up of what i some of my thoughts on things i played uh tomorrow and try and get it out this week uh which is probably in the past for when you hear this podcast but um, <laughs> yeah that's that's the thing uh yeah so i'm gonna get something out on it so that because some of the things are coming up soon and just otherwise i'll leave it too long and forget about it otherwise uh but yeah there's lots of cool stuff what else did i play let me just quickly scroll through my things there's a, uh, pictures of the zoo in the middle that's not it uh da, 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 da. where are we Oh, I played Solar Storm, which was a cooperative sort of try and stop the ship falling apart game, which gave me some serious uh, like Forbidden Island, Forbidden Desert vibes, but with more sort of more player powers because of the cards that the the, the, the well location powers rather than player powers, um, which I thought was interesting. I thought it could maybe I don't know I I felt like it could use some work in terms of using a dice at certain points felt like like a crutch rather than like an actual interesting mechanic they were using. Just like uh, annoyingly random at times. Yeah, it was like uh, and now you get to roll a dice because there's a dice included in this game. And it felt a bit like, well, we've not been using the dice for anything else apart from this one thing. It feels a bit like mm. why? Why are we using a dice suddenly? Um but it has has lovely artwork. I posted it on the Twitter. It's the one with the massive spaceship in front of a sun. Um, on the Twitter, on the Instagram, on one of the social medias. <laughs> I can't remember which one it was now. On those those places, people share photos. Um, yeah, one of those. Um, yeah, and I thought that was it was interesting. Yeah, I I enjoyed the demo of it, playing it with people uh, more than I think I enjoyed the actual game itself. Like I didn't feel if. I, it had a similar issue, really similar issue as that that like Forbidden Island, Forbidden Desert does, in that the next thing you should do is usually pretty obvious. Because those are both like, no, the like sort of survival games where you all. I'm, I'm not, I'm yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah. The elevator pitch. The elevator pitch for Forbidden Island is you're on an island chain, an island rather that's steadily sinking. You need to collect cards to exchange for treasure at specific locations. And then get out before the island sinks. Each round, a new card is revealed that shows a tile that either starts sinking or is completely sunk. And in Solar Storm, you're revealing cards to take cubes off, which are damaged cubes on parts of the ship. 
Uh, that's the truth. And once they're all gone on one place, it's destroyed. So it's it's a similar way. And the idea is to power every part of the ship and get to the middle part, and then it and then escape. I think. So yeah, if it was, it, 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 you can see how they're they're already very similar games in terms of things are gradually getting you're reading cars to make things worse while you're trying to fix them while also do something else to do with a hand management system so yeah that's sounds interesting I, it does sound interesting i mean it was interesting i did i did find it interesting but like I say, it runs into that same wall of once you've played it once you kind of know the puzzle does that and, i imagine that gets in the way because i think something we, I, I imagine that gets in the way of sort of co-op nature of it because then if you're then playing it with people playing it for the first time when you have a very good idea of how the puzzle needs to be solved like that yeah that's lots of great things because then it's like if someone's playing it for the first time and they make the wrong decision then you start to go like no no, no you need that you need to do this you need to do and we this because this, yeah. this is the most optimized way of doing it and this yeah. is a sensible thing to and do I th- here. yeah and i think that's even made even worse by the fact that the there was rarely like we could do this or we could do this. It was like, no, we should just do this because it's the best thing to do in this situation. There was never like a fifty-fifty. Should we go this way, that way? It was always this is the best thing to do. And then when you do lose, you feel a bit like, well, that was not really in our control. From the stack of the deck initially, of the resource deck and the things that were going to be destroyed. We were kind of always destined to lose because I don't feel like we made any wrong moves. Oh, that's frustrating. Like even if you made all the right, like, it... correct decisions, then it just loses you. Yeah, because like at no point. I mean, we lost the game, but at no point did I feel like, well, we should have done that instead. It felt like, oh, we just lost because of luck. And I don't know if it. it, it I, that's the same issue I have with. Forbidden Island is that like that's has that same feeling to it. On the on the flip side of that, Pandemic uses a similar like structure in terms of like oh, you know, oh, collecting the, sets of cards. The way like it it slowly escalates. Yeah, so escalates. You're using hands cards to try and like in not repair but like alleviate pan like alleviate um like viruses or infections or whatever they're called disease tokens. That's the word. But I feel like there's a there's a there's a bigger possibility scape within pandemic that there is frequently like more than one thing you should be doing at a time. That means that you at all, all times you feel like there are there are like three paths to victory. Like you never know which way to what to do. Yeah, so it's like, like, certain, like, like I should definitely do this. Well, like do we need to be so in pandemic where you're trying to prevent the. You know, the disease in cities it's do we need to stop the outbreak of disease in yeah you know, in one of these cities in africa or do we need to focus our efforts on containing the outbreak that is spreading through europe or america but then, like we can kind of devote our efforts to dealing with one yeah well, it, 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 it yeah. sounds like that's never the case and it's just you're not having to make decisions between like which things to deal with it's just how do we deal with this this is the most efficient way to do it, and it deals it. Yeah, I think maybe also the fact that it's on a three by three grid, and if you're playing that with four people, you're covering quite a lot of space there. Like that's you're covering nearly nearly half the tiles with four people, 
Whereas in Pandemic, and even in uh, if Forbidden Island, even if you're playing with maximum number of people, you're covering far fewer tiles so that you have that sort of action space and maybe trying to move from one place to another is a big proposition. So moving four tiles in in Forbidden Island or moving from from one half of the world to the other in Pandemic is like, if we don't get over there soon, that's going to cause an issue for us. Whereas in Solar Storm, it was, oh, I can just move to the other side of the thing in one turn. Because oh. I'm only two two spaces away from it. So it there was never a point where it felt like, there was never felt it was a dire situation that was because, because of our own mistakes. It always felt it was a dire situation because, oh, we got two of the same destruction cards in a row. That was unfortunate. Um, yeah. So not massively positive no. on that one, but it does look nice. And I can see it fitting that same, like, that same space as something like Forbidden Island. Like, if people, if people love Forbidden Island or they want something that's like a sci-fi theming that's similar in a way to Forbidden Island, I can see it fitting that, that area for people. But I think if you've maybe you've already played Midnight Island, or if you're used to playing Pandemic, I think it'll feel like a downgrade, oh. and yet still very similar. Um, well, speaking of similar games, nice little segue here. Okay. Uh, I've been playing, or well, I've had like two games. Uh, a game called Decrypto, um, yeah. which is kind of immediately given me very strong feelings that I like it's going to be the game that I replace um, that I used to replace Codenames oh really? yeah because like Codenames is uh, it's one of the easier games to teach sort of like family groups uh, mm. and it and, you know, makes an outing uh, at my board game group and Decrypto has a like it it feels like it utilizes the same kind of line of thinking and ways it wants you to think, but I think it's in a much more interesting way, and it helps spread out the tension of code names. Hmm. Uh, not the tension, like the stress of code names between players, rather than putting it all on the code master. Right. Okay. So, I guess you haven't played code names. Uh, one person is trying to help their there are two teams, and one person on each team has the sort of secret uh, key to a grid of uh, grid of words, uh, and they know which words they need to guide their team towards, and they're giving clues to help mm. the team guess the correct words. Um, yeah. And so, in code names, sometimes you can have issues where you're trying to give a clue, like you're trying to give a clue to your team that will allow them to guess as many words as possible in one go. Uh, and so, like the trickiness of co- being the codemaster is trying to, you know, kind of find these sort of tangential threads that will give you a really clever clue to link four seemingly unrelated words to put your team in the lead. But when you can't think of that, and you've kind of got a tough set of words, or the person's new, or you're just really struggling, it's kind of not really fun for you because it feels like like you're like, oh, I can't can't think and your team is a bit frustrated or just like oh we're not getting we're not getting great clues and so you end up giving a clue that is really obvious and just leads you directly to one or two words 
And so the kind of yeah, excitement yeah. of a game where you give a great clue can isn't always there. Yeah, mm. I had a game of Codenames recently that I ended up killing our team on because like Codenames, you can kind of pass the, the words in front of you and then maybe just miss one and not necessarily because it's a big grid of words to try and take in all at once for one person. So like, does that sort of because right? So the, the person said author, and I saw draft. And I thought, well, that's a draft, like a writing draft for a, for a book or something. Press that, and that's the instant death button. Because they hadn't seen that, they'd seen other things. That they there like more author. Yeah, it's yeah. Also, like the, the, the in their head do anyway. But like, and then that's that that instant kill one is just kind of like. Is there an instant kill into crypto? No, so I always thought that was very severe. Uh, I, don't know. I, I think I, it I, works in Conan's, but like, I think, yeah, I think I think it's all right. Like, I've, I've, I think I've, I've rarely seen it. It's like, it's pretty rare that people actually pick an instant kill word. Yeah, um, I mean, it's the only time I've ever had it happen. But like, it felt yeah. like I felt bad for them afterwards because like I didn't. It was this weekend. I didn't know them, so like it was like it felt a bit. Um, like, like they were trying to like get like get in your head and beating new people or get in my head and like like yeah that they, they felt a bit they looked a bit like like a bit like a bit sad about the whole situation of <laughs> and like they messed up and I was like that's that's totally on me. How does that like, how does that work? <clears throat> the so um uh so code name is basically one person you have got two teams one person yeah. each team is. A codemaster, and they can see like a, a a grid, and that grid will tell. You've got a grid of words on the table, and the codemaster has a little card with a grid on it, and that card will tell him, oh well, you know, three along, two up is a blue word, as is these six other words, and he also knows that there are seven red words on on that grid, and the whole neutral ones, and then one instant loss word. And oh, I'll right. give you a clue that might be like dog three, uh, and then you as my team have to figure out which three words relate to dog. Right. Uh, and if okay. you guess the kill word, like the game is over. Oh. Um, okay. And so decrypt decrypto is, is is similar, but it's not about trying to find the word specifically, but rather it's all about developing the communication with your team because each round like the person that is the code master like changes so there's never that increasing pressure and responsibility on one person that if they're like uh, it, it gets passed around and so in the crypto the way it works is each team can see four words in front of them uh, and each team has mm -hmm. uh, so you know, everyone on the team knows the four the four words that their team has, uh, but you can't see the other team's four words. Um, and the codemaster draws a card, and it will say, and only the codemaster can see the card on their team. It will say like one, three, two, uh, and so the codemaster knows that he has to get his team to guess word number one, word number three, and then word number two in that order. And right. So you all know the words, and so, uh, but the thing is, you're giving your clues to your team out loud, uh, and it's a little bit like do you know the game Mastermind, where you're putting little coloured pegs in a 
thing yeah. and trying to figure out the, the pattern like at the end. Yeah. So it's a little bit like that. So it's a weird one to explain, but basically, like, I'll give a clue. Uh, I'll give my three words that relate to the four words we all know, and then the team has to guess which words I'm referring to that we can see. Um, and that's why I might say, like, crown, helicopter, green. And then my team will secretly be like, okay, well, I think that that is one. Uh, I think that I think that helicopter is four. And I think that green is is two. So all, all the words have a corresponding number. But before, uh, like my team gets to guess which which word is like which word is each number, the enemy team get to guess. And on the first round, like. They can't really guess much, but as you hear multiple clues that the other team are giving, you start to like go, "Oh, okay. Well, he said, you know, rotor last time, and before that he said blade, and he said helicopter this time, and on those previous times, blade and rotor were word number three. So I think we'll put three in for that one." Uh, and, bef- oh, and before that, he said uh, chameleon and uh, you know leaf, and now he said green. Uh, and previously, that mm. those were both at number number one. So I think we'll guess number one this one. So you could basically, so it's really easy to communicate the words, but you've got to do it yeah. in a way that prevents the other team from figuring out your communication pattern. Right. So, okay. You might so I think one of the clues like so you might all have the word chameleon in front of you and if you're always using uh, a color to point to chameleon mm. it's really easy for, although the enemy team don't know the word it's really easy for them to figure out your communication patterns to go oh that's just another color so that that'll be word number one mm. and so you need to like be you need to be giving these clues in like new ways and avoid sort of communication patterns. Uh, right. That does sound really interesting, actually. I can see how it... It's uh, a weird one to explain. code names in that way. Yes. I, it, it's easier to explain when you can see the visual of what's happening on a table of the things. I think it's a little... Well, yeah. I, so I think the first two games, it was both, like... It's a little less obvious to explain than code names because it's a little bit more... Yeah, it's, it's like it's a little harder for everything to fall into place and kind of understand mm. how you need to be giving clues. Yeah. But then once you do, it, it is as exciting as code names. But I think there's more scope to be creative, and it's more fun because the code master is always changing, and there's never that like because you have more freedom in how you give the clue. It doesn't you don't feel so annoyed with yourself when you just can't think of a good clue because there's not that limiting right. factor of like oh well I need to link marrow and tree I just can't think of a good, good word yeah 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 that, that situation you were in where you may be like a point or two behind you trying to like claw it back so yeah, it's like like a, like and you just can't and it's like I'm sorry I, like, I know I need to give you guys a clue guys a clue that will link five words so we can win but I just can't yeah yeah I can see um, that it sounds interesting though yeah so I think there's like real scope for I think there's more scope for creativity, and it feels really satisfying when you, your team kind of starts to get on the same page, and you're all like, "Oh wait, I see what you did there. That's clever." 
and the enemy team are like, yeah. "What? What are they? What are they doing?" And you can st- you, and you can start <laughs> to give clues that like bait the enemy team. So if you've used right. a pattern where it's like, uh... "Oh, we we keep saying um, colors to indicate this one word," yeah. and then we realize the enemy team are picking up on that, we can then give a clue that is a color, but to indicate a different word, in the hopes that the enemy team think of like misinterpret it. And basically right. if you're if you're if you can intercept the enemy team's codes twice, you win. Uh, okay. And there's also if, if your team fail to correctly guess the code, you get like a negative point. And if you ever get two failed to communicate points, you lose. Right. Ah. Uh, yeah, and it's just it's just very clever, and it has a really nice production of uh, you know the little three you know those old timey three D glasses with the red and blue. Yeah. Or you t- and you sometimes have them where it'd be like put them on to reveal a secret code on the page where you had that like dotted, fuzzy kind of white red pattern, and you'd like put it on and it would suddenly pick out, reveal a word. You have all these cards that you slot into a. It's styled like an old bank of computers. Oh, and you yes. slot it in and then cool. suddenly a, a word appears and that's one of your code words. <laughs> that's very cool. I like that. Yeah, it's just a... Yeah, that, that's cool. Nice. It's real nice. Recommend. Cool. You've been playing another small box. I have, yeah. And enjoying. this is another one I think that I might like. Even more. I'm intrigued because I've got this. I've got this downstairs, but I've yet to actually play it. So I'm yeah. So only I think I've only had hear about three it. games of Decrypto so far. So it's one I really want to play more. But I've had quite a few of High Society because it's proved a really easy one to carry around and just start playing. Uh, and yeah. So yeah. This is this is High Society, and it's uh, it's an auction game, uh, and you get to live the dream of being a wealthy person who just needs to spend all their money on luxuries to. Yeah. build your status um, basically all the players get given a, ha- a hand of money cards everyone starts with the same hand of money uh, and mm. each card has so many francs on it so you get like a 1000 franc card, a 2000 franc card a 4000 I think all the way up to the your largest card which is 25,000 francs mm. as it's set in sort of turn of the 19th 20th century Paris uh, and the aim of the game is to be the, per- yeah. be the most luxurious person, as you are all bidding luxury items, uh, which is a deck of cards uh, or um, numbered one to ten. And that is their their luxury value. So the card with a one on it, I think, is like, I think it's champagne, uh, and the card right. with a ten on it is like Grand Tour of Europe. But I don't, know. I can't remember what it's called actually. <laughs> And there are ten. There are ten of those cool. cards, and then there are six modifier cards. And so each round, you reveal a card from the deck, uh, and you yeah. and you will you will take you will bid on it. And bidding's really simple. You just you just go okay. Well, I'm going to bid. You put down the cards you want to bid. Next player can either raise your bid uh, or pass, uh, and it keeps going around the table yeah. and uh, until there's one person left. Uh, yeah. And if you pass when you've got money on the table, you just take your money back. Uh, the yeah. interesting thing is, if you want to raise, you're not allowed to take cards that you already have off the table. So you can't. You got to be careful with how, like the denominations you have. So, oh. say I've already used my one 
1,000 franc card, it's then it's then really difficult to raise by like a small amount because you may only have your really yeah. big franc cards left. It's like, cool, I want to bid, I want to raise by 1,000, but all I have left in my hand is a 15,000 franc card, a 20,000 franc card, and a 25. Right. And do you never replenish your money? Until it's like no, so 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 everyone starts with with the same pool of money, and once that's gone, it's gone. Yeah. Okay. Um. So yeah, as you bid, you get poorer. You just get poorer and poorer. Uh, Right. And that is the final, uh, the final twist is that at the end of the game, whoever has the least amount of money in their hand, uh, is exiled from fine society for being poor uh, and they don't get to score <laughs> okay so there's this like tension of like well you need the most luxuries because at the end of the game you add up the total number of all the cards you manage to get and whoever has the highest score yeah, wins yeah. but if you're the poorest player you're kicked out of the game before that happens <laughs> uh, and the money doesn't count yeah, so you've got to be spending the money to get the cards you need but yeah, you just can't. You're, you're looking around because, like, in the final few rounds, you're looking at everyone else, being like, "How much money have they spent? Can I? How much money can I spend and still be in this game?" And because you've got like some cut, like the cards vary in the amount. It's like, well, that person only has two cards in their hand, but did yeah. they spend their twenty-five thousand? I can't remember. Uh... I see. Cool. Yeah, it's, and it's yeah, it's great. So there's I think there's the 16 cards in the deck, so it's basically just 16 rounds of bidding. Uh, and it's, cool. And it's, it's quick. Um, so the six model. They're really nice cards as well, aren't they? Like slightly jumbo size. Yeah, you got these nice, like, they're like nice, they nice big really cards nice. with this kind of um, really lovely sort of like Art Nouveau style like illustrations on. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm looking forward to trying finally getting to play it. I, point, I really think it's, 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 it's super easy to teach, and I feel like uh, the theme is one that is. I think I find it so like it's just appealing to people that are perhaps not used to board games, and so it had like it has yeah. an active theme uh, rather than it being does. something think, abstract think... like like code names or decrypto, and it's not something that might be daunting like orcs or Murder. Yeah, and I think I think bi- I think bidding on an auction is kind of it's more in people's immediate language as well. Like they know how to make how to bid on something. Yeah, it's something. It's and something how that it. works, and like it's an immediate rather than it being a mechanic that has to be taught. Like people generally know how an auction might operate. Yeah, and I think as and the it's not, it doesn't sound like there's any like 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 major tweaks to that formula. I mean, you have money. Now you want to bid on things, and you lose money as you bid on things. Like, yeah, it all it all makes sense, and I think, and also there's something on. exciting about being like, "Oh, I suddenly have loads of money!" Like it's a, it's both an act, like it's a, it's a proper theme for the game, but it's one that is yeah. perhaps like appeals to just kind of everyone because it's like, oh, everyone loves cold hard cash. Everyone loves cold hard cash. They do. And, you know, like you've everyone's seen films that have, like you know, seen TV and film where you've probably seen an auction scene, <laughs> and so it's like that, yeah. that kind of. Uh, fancy element of it is, you know, has a pretty broad broad appeal. Um, yeah. And yeah, and like you can, it's pretty satisfying because you like I've been, you can strategize with it. I'm I'm sure there's probably 
like a way to play it pretty mathematically where you like know the optimum amount you should be paying for each card. Mm. But I think because people are weird, like obviously the, the table will establish what each card is worth. Exactly. Because obviously, like if yeah, the, if the if, ten comes yeah. out first and a certain amount is paid for it, that then kind of sets the value for the game of everything else. Because like, oh well, when the nine comes out, I don't want to be, I don't want to pay more than that person paid for the ten. Paid but obviously, the 10. it can't. It, yeah. It's not quite set in stone because it obviously depends on the score you have and the score they have. And there are modifier yeah. cards, three of which uh, add times two to your score at the end of the game, uh, and three of which are negative. So, uh, right. I think there's faux pas, People... scandal, and I can't remember what the other one is, but one like one discards oh, a card yes. from your hand, one halves your score, and one is just minus five. Yeah, so you're bidding to not yeah, get so they all work, the person who bids the, bids the least gets the thing. And basically, yeah, you, when remember, one of those yeah. reveals, the bidding happens, but the first person to pass out of the round has to take the card. Uh, and, yes. Oh, that's it. Um, yeah, yeah. And any, a, a, everyone else that has bid has to then pay the amount that they've bid. <laughs> yeah, that sounds so. So cool yeah, which and if you so if you're because there's like only sixteen cards in the deck, and then like there's one to ten other cards. It's pretty easy. It's a very easy game to just count the cards coming out of the deck. So yeah, you know if you're paying attention, it's like okay, well nine, seven, three. And eight have gone. Uh, we've had yeah. two times twos, but no, none of the bad cards have come out yet. So you can be like, oh, I need to hang money back. Uh, and like when you get down to the last couple of cards, it's like, okay, well, I, I have a very clear idea of what's in there. I need mm. to be, yeah, yeah. So it's very amusing when, like, people go all out, they get a big score, and then it's like you've forgotten all of the bad things that are about to happen. <laughs> so, so I've been just trying so yeah, I was like playing with family and just been like I think I just won't uh, like I'll just try and drive up bidding as much as possible in the first like six, seven rounds, but not but never actually spend any money. Just try and force people out of their money and then hope just like hope that in the fight like the last half of the game I'm able to scoop up enough cards and avoid bad ones to Actually, have a decent score. And it's working out all right. Cool. It sounds good, and it I really should get around to yeah, playing. Yeah, like it plays. Point. I just haven't had chance. It, yeah, it plays quickly. It's really easy to teach. It looks nice on the table, and has just kind of that universal appeal. I think is great with the more you know board game averse people that like. What's that? Like, like your man Gavin over yeah. here. Hey. <laughs> hey. We hear you like money and eBay. You can do this. <laughs> I I love both of those things actually. <laughs> this is a that's a relatable board game. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. I feel like we we promised at the, at the top of the show an anecdote from a time when you might have played a board game. Have Yes. Tell us have an you anecdote. ever played a board game? Um I've played board games in my time. Usually it was with... Uh, I had a friend who was into board games, a roommate of mine back when I was in university. Um, I played... played Munchkin with him. That was quite fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with him and another group of friends, 
We once got drunk and played Dungeons and Dragons, which didn't go very well, uh, as I am not a very good DM. But uh, you know, it was all right. It was all right. We had we had a laugh. Oh, you, you um, DM'd. How how did you find that? Ah, uh, it was all right. I mean, it was it was like the what's the the it's like a it's like a, a campaign that comes in in the like basic like like D and D five E box. Yeah. Is it five E? Yeah. It is, isn't it? The newest one. Um I think it is it the Lost Minds of whatever the piss? Whatever it is. Anyway, uh we went into a cave. Uh battered some some helpless goblins. Uh well obviously I didn't. I just told them what they were doing and tried to figure <laughs> out what dice rolls were. You um, let them batter some goblins. Yeah basically. Uh I didn't really know how anything was working, but I erred on the side of caution, and uh, if anything posed an issue, I would. I just went with the option that made it go the smoothest. Like, cool. uh, if it's like, if it was like, can I do this and this in the same turn? I would just look at the rules, see if I could find it, and if I couldn't immediately, I would just say, why not? <laughs> <laughs> I can't can't see any reason why not, buddy. Just go for the, it. The, the dream DM. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. You just need to get someone who's so incompetent that they'll just go along with whatever you say. Uh, but yeah, it was all right. Uh, we cool. took shots and stuff. I don't know if you guys have ever had this one disgusting drink. Um, what was it called again? It's like this kind of flavored shot called uh, uh, Doctor Tesla's piss juice. <laughs> anyway, it was atrocious. Yeah, the worst thing I've ever had. It's not. Like. It's not in shops anymore for good reason. No, I haven't had that. Vile, <laughs> I haven't heard of it. It was supposed that. to be. It's not actually called the piss juice thing. It's called Electro. <laughs> anyway, it's not relevant to Dungeons and Dragons, but it is vile. Um, I want to hear more about that. That's, that's interesting. We, we threw it out. That's an interesting aside. Then, I, I honestly can't thing. remember what it was called. It was like it was supposed to be like vaguely electrical themed. Well, obviously, you can't really make vodka that tastes <laughs> like electricity. So instead, it just tasted... Oh, I think I know the one you mean. Uh, I can't think of his name. Like garbage. Shock? Aftershock? something maybe there's probably a bunch of different variations on it but this one i had like a picture of a nikola tesla on it and so on and it was vaguely like i don't know it was a while ago a long time ago anyway that was fun but uh we never did it again because we couldn't find the time the, the, the tale of every <laughs> um, D group ever yeah as an aside to that, I had a conversation with someone at work about how it was Nikola Tesla and not Nicholas Tesla. Nicholas. And being convinced that it couldn't be Nikola because Nikola is is not a name that there would be. And I was like, no, there's the name. It's not, it's just not like, I believe this. This is, like, <laughs> just, this is just a fact. <laughs> Big Nicholas you're, Tesla. You're, you're just wrong. This is the kind of denial that leads people into that whole... Uh, the you know the thing with the bears the whole multiple universe uh, um, there's no way i could possibly be wrong about the spelling of this arbitrary <laughs> thing that i can half remember that's the one the... exactly that except the nicholas tesla effect yeah the mandela effect a combined bit... with the nicholas tesla <laughs> exactly. effect nicholas mandela it's, it's what the uh, it's what the plot of the prestige is about all along <laughs> david bowie has nicholas tesla <laughs> Yeah, it was just a, a weird conversation. I can't remember how it, we got onto it. I think we were talking about something completely unrelated. And I think he just said Nicholas Tesla. And I was like, you mean Nicholas Tesla? And he's like, no, no, yes. <laughs> anyway, um, 
I think we also promised a quick round of, of uh, Billionaire Banshee, so I will depart briefly. And hopefully through the magic of editing, this won't be a massive jarring cut. Alright, okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a perk, I'm going to read a quirk, and then you guys can reveal whether you think I would date this person. Or whether that, where I think you person. would date them. Or... Yeah, I mean, we'll, go, we'll do me first, and then I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll circle. Oh, okay, we'll, okay. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Okay, so the perk is that they can control time. They can go to the future or the past. They can freeze time, and, can, and they can bring me with them. Their quirk, however, is that they steal my tears while they sleep. <laughs> they use eyedropper to gather them. They then drink the tears eight days later. I don't wake up during the act, uh, but I do wake up with dry eyes. So what do you guys think? Would I date this person? I mean, that's a lot of utility. Yeah. Remind you know me what I mean? That's like... Uh... <laughs> Remind me again? So they, they collect your tears. <laughs> yeah, they collect my tears while the technical I details. Oh, but only while you sleep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you cry when you sleep? No, that's what the eyedroppers uh, are for. Eyedropper, it's an eyedropper, yeah. Oh, so like, sort of like hoovering <laughs> off your, your eye moisture. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they suck them up. For, to yeah, they'll, like, they'll use eyedrops to make them the cry. And, then... and the, the perk for all of this. They control time. Uh, yeah, no, I, I so am saying that's a lot they of utility. Importantly, though, as well, don't forget, they drink the tears eight days later. Eight drink, days later. That's a long time yeah, to keep yeah. tears. Do they need to like mature? Like, <laughs> they go stale. Is that what you mean? Like, uh, it's like a vintage. You know what I mean? You gotta have it. It got it matures in the cask. <laughs> uh, okay, what do you guys think? Would I date this person? Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so because I mean, time. time control. That's good. Yeah, no, I definitely would. Yeah, I, I can live with some dry eyes. I don't <laughs> some dry, exactly. I mean, exactly. You live with some dry oh, eyes, true, and like yeah. you get to win the lottery whenever you want. Like, what's the? <laughs> He'd wake yeah, up with like, I mean, the crustiest like... eyes. The crustiest. <laughs> <laughs> like. <laughs> well, yeah, but imagine, yeah. imagine like all those times something embarrassing's happened to you. Like you've, I don't know, you know, when you were a kid and you called a a teacher mum, or you accidentally say I love you on the phone to somebody. You can just go, but you can just phone them up and be like, I need your help, and get rid of that error, and then live you free yeah. only Stop with yeah. crusty eyes. Harvesting your eye moisture. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's a that's a proper disaster. That I one. saw that one, and it reminded me of so <laughs> when I was in me and Emily's first first going out, maybe like a year or so after we started going out. The um, I used to have uh, I still do I have bad dust allergy. I didn't used to take allergy tablets to sort of help with it. So it meant that when I slept, sometimes I would I would drool a little bit. So I remember one time I woke up to Emily. Apparently counting my drool <laughs> while I was asleep. Counting. I just saw. Yeah, she was counting. Apparently, she was measuring how much was coming out. Count, of me. So like, how do you uh, count it? Like, did she run the calculations? Like, I, I don't know. I what's think the she was just sort of, I think she was just watching it, sort of. Yeah, she always just told me, but she was counting it. She was measuring it. Go. I'm picturing now one of those like. I was like. Uh, I was like, those, like the con- conical uh, measuring cylinders, like that's just like propped up on you, slowly drooling into it, and you and, watch and, the level rise. Yeah. And and now all I think is I could have had you know stealing my my tears rather than measuring my drool and they can control time as well. <laughs> exactly. I've got a rotten deal. <laughs> Where are the dancers? You know, settled for cheap. Yeah. So we yeah. So we were accurate. 
Yes, no, we're definitely. That you sounds would, like no. it. All right, all right. That's definitely me. Okay, so. Gab, do you want to go next? All right. Let me shuffle up. There <laughs> we go. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, these are hilarious. Okay, so. Do you want perk or quirk first? Uh, oh, it's got a little standard format. Give me the perk. Give me the perk. Okay, so. <laughs> the perk is that they shit your favorite ice cream flavor. <laughs> <laughs> They shit my favorite ice cream flavor. They do. Okay, it's so... He- it's, it's as healthy as regular ice cream. It tastes the same. They're okay with you eating it. <laughs> that's that's, that's the, perk. the perk. Okay, okay and, interesting. And that's, that's the, the perk. perk. Exactly, that's the perk. So what, <laughs> what possible downside could exist that could even hope to sway me away from this okay. scatological feast? <laughs> they want... <laughs> One second. Oh, dear. They want to eat one of your toes. <laughs> they ask which, about it which constantly. <laughs> they want to eat one of your toes. They ask about it constantly. <laughs> they won't eat it without your consent. If you let them do it, <laughs> you pick the toe. <laughs> <laughs> they would cut it off, then eat it. They would never bring it up again. Have would you date this person? They they shit your favorite ice right, cream so, flavor. So However, do you, do you guys do you guys guess time. first? Is that the the theme here or? I think that's how it works. Okay, so yeah. what what do you guys think about? Do you think I would be? I know I've got a lot of I've got a lot I... of thoughts that you know like, about <laughs> thoughts. the situation. How much, yeah. how much do you like ice cream, Gav? Uh I mean, does that like fully replace as much as the next I mean, guy? We, does it fully replace like just their their like is in their kind of like solid excretions? So like then it's not like it's, it's not like <laughs> they can sometimes do it. Your favorite ice cream flavor? They can turn but it they on. They still need to like shit regularly. They have they have to turn, they it's, have to shit. Is it? It's unclear from the. Is it cold? Let's assume it just replaces. <laughs> You know, the usual. Yeah, is it like fucking ice cold? That sounds uncomfortable. <laughs> like... It must be because it's ice cream. Wouldn't be ice cream wasn't cold. Yeah, it like just fucking be cream. Wet ice cream diary. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Get, yeah. get right, okay, I'm gonna. Ass. I yeah, I don't think Gav would date this. Person. Yeah, I feel like. I don't know. I'm pretty desperate. <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm sure, you know, the fact that suddenly, you know, I'm sure there's a whole load of fetish and sexual stuff that just opens up because, you know, hygiene is, is less of an issue now, other than, you know, where that sugar's going, potential infections there. Or is that you know. um, but I feel like that's not. My dentist wouldn't you know, approve. That's not as good a reason to just lose a toe, slash, put up with no. someone constantly bugging you to eat it. Yeah. So you're both saying a hard I'd no. Say no. I think yeah. I think, it's I, no. I think you're you are correct. I don't have such a desire for free ice cream because that's essentially <laughs> what this is: free ice cream at the cost of having to eat somebody's shit and get bothered about losing my toe constantly. I don't think I. I'm not such an ice cream hound that yeah. I that I would uh, that I would put up with that. No, thank you. Okay. <laughs> the, Okay, yeah, all right, fair enough, fair enough. I mean, that's reasonable. <laughs> I'm 
was I came up with a perk. That was what a perk. Was, <laughs> what a perk. Yeah, that was uh, that was unusual. Right? Time control, just, billionaire, uh, shits ice cream. <laughs> These are all on the same level. <laughs> right, let's have a look. Let's have a look. So is it is it George's turn for? Yeah, it his, is. Uh, his... let's, let's see. Which a uh, bizarre fetish will this accommodate for you, well, George? Let's find out. Which. <laughs> Well, they... Okay, so oh. piss whiskey. <laughs> Let's open up the notebook and see which ones I can check off. <laughs> okay, what do you want first, George? You want quirk? Uh, let's quirk? go. Let's go with the quirk. Okay, so the quirk is <laughs> that they think they are a car. Ah. <laughs> they make vroom sound effects. <laughs> Sometimes they drink gasoline. <laughs> Well, it's only sometimes. Uh, they want you to ride them. Well, air, air fresheners, air fresheners are their deodorant. No. They don't talk or act human. There must be a good. There has to be a good a perk here, George, perk. to offset this one. However, they can contra- They can transform into an all-terrain vehicle. Walk <laughs> off. More so, so I guess I've basically what I've got is a quad bike that sometimes can be person shaped. Yeah, you do, you do. So you can ride them, can tra- can travel long distances. They can use food for fuel. You can control when they transform. That feels weird. The fact that I have the power. Yeah, I'm not sure of, how like, ethical this relationship sounds. They transform. Yeah. You're a quad bike now. I mean, at the same time, they think they're a car, so... And the picture actually has it being a quad bike and also like an underwater thing as well, because it's all-terrain, so it can be like a sub It can go underwater? Oh, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, George, now that they've said that, you've got to change your opinion. Like, I mean, now it's like that car from James Bond. I feel yeah. like... I just feel like, it, you know, just the kind of... It's the sort of thing where it's like, kind of a handy sidekick to have. <laughs> like, exactly. If you were a superhero, perhaps useful to have in your life, but probably not super ethical to have as someone that you're kind of <laughs> keeping in a relationship with you, because <laughs> you'd probably want to date it's other the... people. So you won't want to go on just one date with them, just to know, you know, get them like go on like a submarine date where they're a submarine. A submarine I don't know, like, you know, you know like see the fish. It or... would be useful to the conversation wouldn't be very good. To, you know, to own, to own a vehicle I mean, and. <laughs> I guess keep it running pretty cheaply. Yeah, this is like <laughs> cheap insurance. This is, this is like owning one of the Transformers and dating them. It's like dating Bumblebee for the Transformers, isn't it? Really? What you're saying is, would you fuck Bumblebee? <laughs> I mean, Bumblebee can't even speak, so it's very accurate. Actually, I feel like that's the inspiration here. Except, like, what if Bumblebee was a person? <laughs> yeah, I'm so, I can't believe those two came up at the same time. <laughs> Are they usually better than this? Are they usually more like more appealing? Well, I just I just shuffled them and drew the top next two off the deck. So, so I I I, I do right. not I do not believe that George will on this one. No, I don't think he yeah, will. Yeah, he would be a no. I think he should. No from <laughs> you think he should? <laughs> oh, that's a shame. That's a shame, George. <laughs> I feel like you've missed out you on know, the, like uh, submarine date there. Would they die if you got into a car crash? <laughs> like, Probably. imagine if you were like, 
Would you just pretend they were a car? In that case, like, you would... Like, right, so let's just say you've, you've killed your significant other by crashing them into a tree. And, like, do you do you say to the cops, like, that was that's a human? I mean, I don't know if they'd believe you, but... Or do you just be like, oh, I, I crashed my car. Damn, there goes my no claims. Like, Well, I guess I'd just be like what? the mechanic. Is, I, I really need you to repair this car, please. <laughs> Much sucking of teeth. <laughs> Not going to be cheap. Oh dear, do you guys want to do one yeah, more? Let's go one more. <laughs> yeah, this is good. Well, I guess let's, let's do one for all, all of right. us, and then we can all we can all give our answers as to whether. We oh, okay. Ooh, that's that's a good one. That's a good one. Okay, let's see what we've got. <clears throat> let's see what we've got. What have we? Bottom. Let's put those on the bottom. How many of these cards are there? A lot. <laughs> there are quite a few. Yeah, this, the, the decks are probably. Ooh, probably about sort of maybe 60 a piece. Mm, quite a lot. Yeah, it probably says in the back actually. Uh, he says. No, it doesn't say in the back. There are lots of them anyway. Okay, here we go. Guys, do you want perk or quirk first? Perk. <laughs> Alright. Okay. Yeah, I hope so. They can walk on any. <laughs> they can walk on any surface. Can walk on walls or ceiling. Even if the surface is slippery. Easy as walking on the ground. Their feet can feel pain, can't walk on water or air. So... I mean, I think that's a so, good start. That's a good start. All right, okay. Much more safe shower sex. <laughs> Damn. So, yes. But, I mean, you can still fall. I mean, yeah, unless probably, they're, yeah, like, strong like, enough like to support you. <laughs> <laughs> and they, um... I feel like it's a handy power yeah. to have. They can, uh, just walk up things. You know when there's, like, a spider on the roof <laughs> and you can't get it? Just, like, can you... Can oh, you, you need to get a, a light bulb, and you need to get a chair out to do it. They could just walk up the wall and do it. Exactly. I guess, yeah, I guess they're, they're, they're strong. Just they good. Could potentially carry you. That's yeah. true. That's true. Do you want to hear the quirk? Yeah. Okay, right. the, quirk is, the quirk is less good. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. What's they the have, horrific they disadvantage? Have, <laughs> they have random, mid-sleep, diarrhea. <laughs> they refuse to wear a diaper. <laughs> They must sleep with you. <laughs> they're the they're most... being very specific here. They're avoiding all of the lawyer type answers to this. The most clothes you can wear is one pair of pajamas. So they that's that's what you got away up past. It doesn't say it happens every time they sleep. Not every time, so just it can happen. There's a danger. It can happen. Yeah, it's a uh, it's it's on the cards, as it were. We very quickly pause as you see it. I just grab some food out of the oven. Give us some time All to right. think. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's time to think about this exactly. Consider this difficult decision. <laughs> How bad are all the quirks? We've had a lot. Just taking quirk. a look. Here, just uh. Oh, gonna have a quick, quick, quick spy. I feel like the first one was all right. Like yeah, you know, time yeah. travel. That's a that's a that's crazy useful. Yeah, just you know, just collecting my tears. I think that's exactly. Fine. Exactly. That's that's mild, isn't it? I mean. <laughs> Maybe yeah, the dry eye might get annoying, but yeah, you had basically two quirks. You did <laughs> exactly shit ice cream, delicious. I mean, it's like, what would you do? Like, I you have to have them like shit into a tub. I'm not doing that. 
not going to sit there with my fucking empty Mackey's ice cream tub. Like, <laughs> right, but what if, what if they did it into like a Ben and Jerry's tub and just didn't tell you? Like they just, you just they just thought you just thought they bought Ben and Jerry's. I'd feel I, I would I, I would be instantly suspicious of any ice cream they brought me, and I'd feel deeply betrayed. Well, I guess it would ru- it would ruin uh, your favorite flavor no matter where you got it because you'd always be like, it should. <laughs> <laughs> no matter no matter what you do, your favorite flavor is shit. <laughs> yeah, we have had two shit related uh, topics. I, I know there's a. Someone's clearly got. I mean, a imagine thing for if, the, if if these two have been connected. That was the perk, and this was the quirk. <laughs> that that would yeah. be. Uh, that, I'd, be diff- I mean, yeah, like you occasionally get covered in ice cream while you sleep. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I, I, I maybe that would be maybe more. <laughs> yeah, what's the like? Yeah, what's the sort of diarrhea equivalent of ice cream? Is that just like you know when it melts? Uh, melts. Well, no, <laughs> like, I get it's just. I'm, I, I'm picturing like. Um... What's it? Like uh, a ninety nine. <laughs> you know the the soft serve stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mister Whippy, Whippy, that's it. Damn, that that is roughly, <laughs> I guess, the equivalent. Yeah, I got. I gotta say though, I'm not feeling this. I can't. I don't yeah, think I'm... I would. Uh, are we? Are, are, is the court back in session, George? Uh, are you still in your uh, kitchen? I would say court is in session. Court is in okay. session. All right. What's the yeah. the meeting of the conclave? What? What what say we? Let's on, say we say on this. On can they can walk on any surface, however they but have not to water. Amidst the so like the yeah, it, sorry. There's a lot of work needed Such a weird to get benefit condition. out of the quirk. Yeah. There'd be very specific situations where it would be useful. However, the sorry, the perk there. A lot of specific of work needs to get benefit out of the perk. However, the quirk would be Regularly, a problem. Yeah, because you go through a lot of mattresses. I feel like. I know. I mean, obviously, you know, it may be a regular problem, but they're obviously not very regular if they're having diarrhea in their Random. sleep. <laughs> I needed to find yeah. that a, a bowel movement joke somewhere there. But yeah, yeah no, I mean, well. like how how I you know you need to know what what's the percentage of time? Like how often would it be? It doesn't say. It just says they Imagine, have random. Because so you'd have to, yeah, you'd have to change the sheets. You'd probably have to change the whole mattress, to be honest. That's what I mean. It'd yeah, that's be a expensive, lot of aye, wouldn't it? It would, yeah. And I mean, unless, I mean, obviously they'd be good at burglarizing, so you could just have them steal new mattresses. But that's, that's uh, entering into <laughs> unethical territory. I'd say. I mean, using your powers for evil. You know, personal gain. I guess that's, that's three. That's three no's. <laughs> I can't imagine burglaring a mattress. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. I, you could do it. And imagine, like, I, it would be difficult, right? Because they're not light, but like they could like they're walk. Awkward. They could walk up anywhere. the wall. True. I mean, if there, you'd need an entrance big as like a door, big enough anyway that you know crawling in through a vent and then walking down the walls wouldn't be any use if you're trying yeah. to break into your to your local DFS or whatever. <laughs> like. What? Yeah, but um, I, I like your your attempts to kind of get around the quirk. No, I'm just I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think, and the only one I can come up with is theft. Or uh, I mean, unless you just turn them into a kind of circus act for profit, and then I don't I don't know yeah. what if they what if they don't want to be a circus act, what if they want to be a, a human rights lawyer, exactly, or something like that. You know, 
Yeah. I mean, I, not profitable. Like, what's the use of being able to walk up walls if you're yeah. in the legal profession or medicine? None. Only theft. <laughs> Only theft. And light bulbs. I, I mean, that's and good. light bulbs. That's true. That's true. Menial chores like, yeah, if and better, crime. The time travel perk, the time control one, is even is an even better theft perk. That that is very true, isn't it? I mean, yeah. you could just do it as many times as you want until you don't get caught, or just, I don't know, go back in yeah. time and <laughs> fucking do whatever you want. Exactly. Ludicrous perk. Ludicrous. Uh, it's uh, overpowered. It's imbalanced. <laughs> Have we all said uh, no yeah, to I'll, this? Yeah, I'll say no to this one. I would, not, I would not enjoy being shit on randomly in my sleep and waking up covered in liquid feces. Uh. And it's now just, we know. And now if, we know. If, yeah, I know. I, I know that was up in the air before. And you, you know, you, perhaps you have more imagination than us, and you, you thought of clearly you would because there's a, there's a benefit we're missing out on. Why not tweet us? At yeah, what's your those bits and pieces? Oh, that's a good yeah. idea. Send us a a, a tweeter on that. Because I mean, maybe you could like lawyer it, like you know, you know. You know what they do with the Flash just going really fast and how you can basically do anything because of how fast he is. Like, imagine that, yeah. except you can... I mean, basically they can generate infinite friction on any surface that isn't water. So that's obviously... There'll be some kind of scientific effect that if you were a brain genius, you could come up with. Yes, exactly. We're, we're too stupid, obviously. Too caveman brain to get over uh, how unpleasant it would be to wake up covered in shit. Exactly, exactly. So- so yeah, I feel like that's a good a good point to uh, to, to wrap it up. <laughs> let's get out of here. Yeah, let's, let's... let's jettison this species, these species and just get on out. <laughs> that's, that's funny. That's a very funny game. It's good. It's good. It comes with a bunch of different rules as well. It comes with like a uh, uh, like a, um oh god, what what was it called? The uh, like a. Like a dating show uh, version, which is like there's there's one eligible single, and then a bunch of people who all have a perk and a quirk, and they try and sell themselves for the eligible oh, nice. single, which sounds great. All right, nicely done. Nicely done. So here yeah. ends here ends episode twenty three. The board game is gather up the uh, the tokens yes. of our conversation, put them in that little holder, and close the box on this episode. And exactly. go and update our scoring stats on our phone. Ugh, yeah, go and put that we uh, we played Billionaire Banshee and got a date. Never got a date. No, on yeah, exactly. Top scorer. The uh, <laughs> go and rate the bits and pieces podcast board game, the official board game, with miniatures of all three of us on Board Game Geek. Yes, yes. It's crap. The rating will sink after the first couple days. Terrible game. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine the kickstarter starts at two thousand pounds <laughs> exactly thank you uh, i'll see yeah. you later pay it into take... my paypal and don't ask why i've moved to tahiti <laughs> exactly uh, <laughs> right uh thank you very much for listening um all the stuff i talked about for aircon i'll try and remember to put in the description of the podcast it'll definitely be on the website so head over to bitsandpieces.games and find us on Twitter at Bits Plus Pieces or Instagram at Those Bits and Pieces. Thank you again for uh, bearing with us. 
uh, letting us play Billionaire Banshee, which is just as having fun really for like 20 minutes, half an hour, <laughs> rather than anything else for a podcast. So that was good. Uh, thank you again and goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>